This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, Alex will be answering the phone. All he needs is your first name and where you're calling from, not what you're calling about. So that makes it much simpler for everybody. But, Megan, before you take off, you know, Lou Brock and all the memories and everything else, did you ever have a Brock umbrella, that umbrella hat thing he I had? didn't, but I am thinking that my husband, someone in his family did have one of really? those. Really? Can you imagine having that now? And I've seen some people post pictures that they had taken when they were kids, you know, <laughs> having the Brock umbrellas on. So that those things seemed really crazy, even for, I mean for that t- day and time and everything else. The only it, thing they did was keep your head from getting wet because the rest of you <laughs> right, was going to get so. rained on your shoulders and everything. But but I mean, it shows you how innovative. He, you know, I don't know if he came up with the idea or whatever, but it worked very very mm-hmm. well. So anyway, <laughs> I just was curious if you had one. Fit perfectly no. on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Yes, yeah, Saturday morning, and we can get together and have a roundtable discussion about what's going on in your backyard. Oh, doggone it. That stupid trees are dropping so many leaves. I can't believe it already. And uh, how about the front and side yards? How about your specialty garden space? Those tomatoes. Mm-hmm-hmm. The taste of the tropics. Start looking at your house plants that you have outside and... St- Check them out closely before you bring them in related to all kinds of different things, even fungus gnats. I mean, using an insecticidal soap to pour onto this on your potting mix, that will help control the fungus gnats. How to improve your soil? Should you be pruning or shearing anything? And uh, is there bugs? Speaking of bugs, I know summer's over now. I'm seeing more and more cicadas on the ground you know, they did all their screaming and screeching and everything, and, you know, their life is over. So, oh, that was just really kind of sad. But I'm kind of glad in a way that cooler weather is headed this way, though it really wasn't all that bad this summer from my perspective. But uh, hopefully, as I discuss things, offer options, the final judgment is going to be on your part. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. And another important player is Alex, as I said before, he produces, so he answers the phone. 
I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And uh, I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you'd like for me to. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And uh, today, after the show, I'm headed to South County off of Buckley. And uh, this past week, I was in uh, Richmond Heights and a great house there as well. And, uh, boy, people do some really nice things with their landscape, idea-wise. But more more often than not, uh, the, the circumstances, initially when the plants were put in, it was perfect spacing-wise and everything else. But so often... Maturity is not, you know, even considered. And then when things start to get mature, then they start getting really cramped and crowded. But anyway, today, the St. Louis composting brings you the good gardening stroll. A huge oak with a split in the lower trunk. Quanton cherry has surface roots. River birch has three trunks. A double row of newly planted maples with bark protectors. So they don't get sun scald and split. A ball field in the distance. An older river birch with a bunch of yellow leaf confetti below. Pines running along the fence with Highway 55 below. Sweet autumn clematis is climbing over some mulberries. And uh, crickets. Wow, crickets galore. Couldn't see. Didn't see that many, but certainly the sound was there. A cushioned playground. Cushioned mat. And uh, all the red or no, orange ribbon had been removed. And uh, boy, oh boy, the sycamores nearby, they had been dropping a whole lot of leaves. The street signs read Utah and Demonel. That's in the house right across the street from, this was Cherokee Park where I was, had a great display of potted plants. They had everything from spider plants to bananas, all sorts of color in between. A slight breeze makes for a perfect setting on this early Saturday morning. As I headed towards downtown through Soulard, passing the house where Tracy and I used to live, the skyline of the buildings and the arch were accentuated by fog. Sure sign that weather is changing. Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Cool season lawns, this is the time to get moving on them. You can sort of slow down on your your zoises. Um, don't core aerate, don't fertilize this late, but keep everything watered. I mean, it is really dry. When you go out there, if you're curious... You know, even with your irrigation system, I don't know how long you're running it. You've heard me talk about running it longer, less often, those sort of things. But just take, you know, take a trowel or a digging fork or a weeder or whatever and just push it into the soil and see how far down it can go without a huge amount of effort. Because it, it's, I mean, it is just incredible. And you probably remember me talking about Spire doing some, you know, gas line work to our meter and all this other stuff. But I'm having to do some extra watering to get the uh, the zoysia sod, which they were nice enough to cut out and, you know, kind of put back. But I kind of had to rearrange some stuff. But anyway, to get it well established before we head into wintertime. Let's go to Althea's, and she lives in Jennings. Hi, Althea. Hello. Hi. Yes, I'd like to know what is the latest 
they you can put out seedlings. What type of seedlings? Oh, I have zenas and marigolds. The, putting them out this late is not gonna is gonna be really trouble. You're not gonna get anything out of them. You're gonna put a lot of effort into it, and they're never gonna flower for you. Okay. So the, uh, usually the first week of September probably be the latest. Right, very much so. And now you're talking about seedlings that have already been germinated that you're buying in cell packs and things like that? Yeah, they're about, they're about four inches high. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't know if they have flowers on them yet or not, but they're really, not, you know, as the days get shorter and everything else, the growth is going to be very minimal. So if you've already bought them, certainly get them planted. But uh, other than that, it's, you know, don't expect a whole lot of, let's say, spectacular show out of them. All right. Thanks, Althea. Thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you can get things at the end of the season. And if you buy the mums, I mean, they look very, I mean, striking right now. And some of them, you know, I mean, in one-gallon pots or even a little bit bigger than a one-gallon pot, they're relatively inexpensive. But just realize when you put those mums in the ground, you're basically you're going to get color out of them. That's great because they're basically all well-butted up, and some of them are flowers are already starting to open. But they're not going to be perennial-type mums. They're not going to be able to get the root systems established well enough to make it through a normal winter. Now, if we have a mild winter, they may make it through the winter. But for the most part, that's not going to be the case. So anything that's in flower now that you're putting into the ground, uh, don't expect a whole lot out of it. Let's head over to Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Hi. um, I have a new home, and our landscaper planted some small limelight hydrangea bushes. And, of course, they've they've gone, you know, the flowers have died now. Right. And I just wondered if um, I tried to read up, and I was reading all this stuff about whether I should trim them back or not. And so I'm confused about if I should, you know, trim them back for the winter or just let it go, and then they'll, re, you know, rebloom in the summer. Yeah, I would leave them alone. I would okay. Anything that's newly planted, I would leave as many leaves on it as possible. Let them drop their own leaves because the leaves, you know, they're still going to make some food. So the nutrients and moisture that will come up from the root system go up to the leaves, and they use the sunlight to make food. As the days get shorter, obviously they're making less food. The plants are shutting down. But I would not do any kind of pruning at all, for, you, know, for, you know, really for the first full year after, you know, they've been put in our first growing season, after they've been put in. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Certainly. And now let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Hey, Mike, I've got a question. I've got a uh, Japanese maple in my front yard. It's fairly close to the house, and the leaves are turning brown and shriveling. There's some green leaves on the tree, but there are also some brown ones, and they're losing leaves as well. It just seems like it's kind of early for that to happen. What What do you say? I agree it's early, but it's weather-related. I mean, you can see a lot of Japanese maples and a lot of other trees are dropping, usually this time of year you expect like river birches and a few things like that to be dropping the leaves and maybe sycamores. But uh, other things because of our goofy weather and, you know, drought-wise and everything else that, you know, has gone on has shut some of the plants down prematurely, and that's what's happened. Should uh, should I be watering the tree at all? Uh, you know, 
probably wouldn't hurt if we haven't had any rain and you don't have an irrigation system. Run a hose, put it about four or five, well, let's say about 12 inches away from the trunk and just run it at a trickle and move it around all the way around the tree. Run it at a trickle at each spot for about a half hour or so. So you can get the Uh whole entire root system dampened all the way out. Sounds great. Thanks for the advice. Certainly. Bye-bye. See you. And now let's go over to Linda, and she lives in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Sorry, I didn't think I'd get on that fast. (laughs) I have a couple of questions about new uh, landscaping that we just planted a couple of weeks ago. The nursery said to um, feed some of them or... Evergreen, some are like um, cone, you know, boxwood, but two are azaleas. And they said to feed them like two weeks after planting, which is right about now. But I question feeding the azaleas. I don't know about the rest of the plants. Uh, A couple of them, you know, uh, most of them aren't like um, pine-type bushes. They're, you know, regular leaf bushes. I don't even want a couple of them are nandinas. I don't know what the rest of them actually are. But what do you what do you think about that? Fertilizing going into wintertime for any kind of broadleaf evergreen or really any kind of evergreen at all or any plant is not something you should be doing except in cool season lawns. You're going to fertilize your lawns, your fescues, or your bluegrasses. But any kind of shrubbery, for them to say to fertilize them this late in the season could cause some major trouble. Well, that's what I thought. So... Yeah, so I didn't think it was a good idea. Because but it takes a long time. I know time. I used to. Oh, the fertilizer, had, it takes a while. Have, oh, go ahead. Um, I used to, I know what to feed um, the azaleas because I have other ones. But what about the bro- other broadleaf, um, you know, plants? There's Nandina. There's, I can't think of the name of those. What's those red sticky bushes? Barberry. Wow. What's those? Yeah, barberry. There's a couple of barberry and then, like I said, the boxwood and other little bushes. Um, I had a granule fertilizer years ago, but what do you recommend to feed all those besides the azaleas? Well, basically the azaleas are anything that holds on to any kind of leaves through the wintertime, whether it be nandina, whether it be pines or spruces or anything, need a fertilizer that has iron and has sulfur in it. So it has to be for an acid, you know, acid-loving okay. plants. The barberry doesn't need oh, that okay. because it doesn't hold on to the leaves through the wintertime. Okay. So all the ones, so acid-loving, okay. Right. And, I mean, that's okay. really crucial. A lot of times people, when I, it's amazing how many houses I go to, and the azaleas are generally planted close to the foundation, which the, regardless of the type of foundation, usually it's going to make the soil alkaline because it's cement or it's stone or whatever, limestone or whatever it happens to be. And the discoloration in the, you know, the broadleaf evergreens is dramatic. And that's just because you're not counteracting that alkalinity of the foundation with an acidic circumstance with the fertilizer that you're putting down. And you don't necessarily have to put fertilizer down. You can get iron sulfate in and of itself to change the pH of your soil. Okay, yeah, I better do that because they are, yeah. It's actually at my son's house. It's not ones that we did, you know, here. But right. they did. They planted the azaleas back by the front, closer to the foundation, and the other ones closer up front. So maybe it's it's such a new planting. Maybe they can even switch that. You think that would probably be a good idea 
since they've only been in the ground two weeks. Yeah, they can probably come out of the ground almost like a bottle, a cork in a bottle. But uh, right. again, okay. not fertilizing this time of year, but if you, you know, it certainly wouldn't hurt to put some iron sulfate down because that's going to start the change of the soil to make sure that it's going to be acidic as opposed to alkaline. Okay, thank you, Mike. Love the show. Sure, well, thanks. Have a great weekend. Well, thanks for Bye. having me on your show. Now let's head over to Ed's yard. Hi, Ed. Hello, Hello. Ed. Hi, Mike. Hi. I got a quick one for you. I think I heard you say a minute ago that it's too late to core aerate and seed. Is that what I heard? No, no. It's too late to core aerate zoysia. But for fescues and bluegrasses, the seeding, you're kind of on the, you know, you're kind of at the very end of it. But core aeration and top dressing with a a layer of quarter inch or half inch or so of compost, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing that this time of year on fescues or bluegrasses. Okay, super. Thanks much. Yep. And that, I mean, that really, what you're doing with the core aeration, you're allowing, you're pulling plugs up out of the ground, then the compost drops down in there and it feeds the soil. Healthy soil is how you have healthy, you know, plant material. And within lawns, that's the best way to do it. There's no getting around it. So the core aeration is really, really crucial. Uh, I used to, you know, if you haven't done it in the past, I would say every year, if not twice a year. And where I'm coming from that with, when I worked at the Botanical Garden, it was core aerated. They core aerated all the lawn areas twice a year, every May and every September. Now, at that time, there wasn't top dressing with compost. That wasn't something that was thought of. Because I worked in the, you know, the Botanical Garden in the late 70s and early 80s. But evolution of time has made it so it just works a lot better on making your soil healthier. So, anyway. Good luck with that. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We've got lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, weeds are optimistic. No, opportunity. No, they take an opportunity to get going. Anyway. The cool season annual weeds, which were germinated, you would have put a pre-emergent down in mid to late August to kill the seeds. You're starting to see some chickweed, or at least I don't put pre-emergent on my lawn. What I do is I let it be as it is. So I can watch and see what's going to come up and everything along that line. So that kind of gives me some insight. That's why I don't put the pre-emergent down. But I understand why you would put a pre-emergent down. That's what I recommend. But in my lawn, I'm starting to see some chickweed, only, let's say, three or four leaflets on it. I'm starting to see a little bit of sprigs of the annual bluegrass. Both of those are considered cool season weeds that germinated basically right now. They're germinating at this very point. So there's going to be other things that come along. And there's still some warm season weeds that are, you know, germinating. Spurge is the main one, but that's most of the warm season ones are heading downhill like the... uh, Crabgrass and things along that line. But anyway, let's go to the phones and let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. 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 I have um, three hostas that I planted this year, and I put them in an area, and they got way too much sun. A lot of the leaves curled, you know, got dark and fell off. I mean, the plants are still alive. I want to move them. Can I move them now? Do I have to wait till spring and replace them? Uh, if you do it real quickly, you can do it now, but you should get it done before the end of the month. 
If you don't, then okay. just wait till springtime when you start to see where you know where they are. So, in other words, the foliage is coming up out of the ground and move them at that time. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for your help. Sure. Yeah, you want to make sure that you get them moved so in the, while the ground is still warm so they can get the root system established and so they can make it through the wintertime. Let's go now to Sharon's yard. Hi, Sharon. Hi. Um, I We have a huge sycamore tree in our front yard. We've lived here 60 years, and it was a big tree when we moved in. Question is, in two of the big storms we had this summer, we lost good-sized limbs off of the tree. Mm-hmm. Now, this past week, a limb fell that looked like it was dead. It was, you know, all, all the leaves were brown. Looking up in the tree, um, I see several spots of brown uh, limbs. Is Do we need to be concerned about our sycamore dying? Well, not necessarily. The sycamores have had a horrible year. They In the springtime, because of all the rain and everything else, they all got, or a majority of them got anthracnose, which caused them to lose a lot of their leaves. So they had to push out secondary buds for leaves. And now with the way the weather's been, they're, I mean, normally they drop leaves early, but this year they've dropped a lot more leaves early than what you would expect. And so it just depends. Probably have a tree service come out and take a look at it just to make sure. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's dying. Age-wise, is going to be a factor as well. But uh, we're watching. We live right across the street from Christie Park, which on the edge of the park, the street trees are all sycamores. And I've been watching them this year. And, boy, they're dropping a lot of leaves very early. It's dropping leaves, but I was more concerned about dropping big limbs. Right. Of course, we have had some strong winds, yes. too. Right. And so, there's. I mean, the best thing to do is have a tree service come out and, you know, have them take a look at it. So. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> big limbs. Luckily, it's far away from your house because I was at somebody's, uh, actually, the house this past Wednesday, and they had lost a branch off one of their trees, and it crushed the car down to virtually nothing. So scary stuff. Cynthia, how are you today? Good morning. Um, I have a zoysia lawn. It's it's, uh, usually beautiful, but now there's some brown spots where the grass is dead, and it's suspected that the problem is chinch bugs. Uh, How should I treat that? Uh, You can, you know, I mean, the the chinch bugs... They do cause real problems with the zoysia. Probably the best thing to do is get down. Who told you that it was chinch bugs? Uh, um, lawn service. Okay, so in other words, they got down. Because you can't just look at it and you know say that's what it is. You almost have to get down on your hands and knees and kind of rake through it, and then you can see them. But if that's the case, I mean, they're almost to the point where they're going to head towards dormancy. But if you can get an insecticide down on them, uh, that would be certainly helpful. What would insecticide, what type would you suggest? I would just go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you got chinch bugs in your zoysia and see which product that they have for the, the insecticide. Okay. Now, another question. Should I rake the, the uh, dead grass up or what? It doesn't hurt to rake it up. I mean, it's uh-huh. going to be bare patches, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not helping at all. And uh-huh. uh, so, yeah, I would say rake it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I just ha- I hate to recommend one specific product because if you go to a garden center and they don't have any, or an Ace Hardware or what, your big box store, and they don't carry that product, then it causes problems. So I just tell them what you've got. They will tell you what they have to take care of the problem. All right. 
Thank you. Yep. Goodbye. And let's head over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi, hi Mike. Hi. Uh, due to some physical uh, inabilities right now, it's hard for me to get out to a favorite garden center. And I, I've got some white fly that uh, are on my um, uh, poinsettia. And uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the other one. Anyway, can you give can can you tell me if I if I put a few drops of Dawn in some water and spray that? Is that is that okay? Yeah, I don't know how effective it's going to be. You could try it. Uh, all you need to do is maybe have somebody or call your favorite garden center and see if they could have somebody drop it off. You need some insecticidal soap. And that's basically what you're going to be doing. I don't know if Dawn is going to work as well as the insecticidal soap would, but you could give it a try. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just don't make it so it's really thick, probably nine parts water to one part, uh, you know, Dawn. Shake it up, make sure it's nice, well blended, and then... Oh, that, that much. I only... Okay, nine parts water. Right. Okay. You don't want it too thick. All right, thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Mary, and she lives in Jackson. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Hi. I have a question about, I've never had a caladium before, and I know I need to dig it up in the fall. Do I need to dig it up with the dirt and put it in a pot, or do I need to dig it up and wash the dirt off and just cool it in a uh, dry place? Yeah, I wouldn't wash the dirt off necessarily. What I do is dig it up. Let you know, put it in a pot or put it in a paper bag or put it on something and just let the the soil that's around it dry and then shake it off. Take a look at the bulb to see if it's, you know, how big it is and everything else and then see if it's worth, you know, putting in a paper bag and putting it in your basement for the wintertime. And I may have another question. Are willows long-lived trees or not long-lived? We've lived in this house 16. It's the tree, the tree is over 16 to 20 years old. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing some dead limbs in it. We had a storm where the neighbor said it looked like the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since, you know, I'm losing limbs. And I'm right. wondering, if is this an age thing, or is it from that storm, or are they not really sturdy trees? Are, are we talking Weeping Willow? Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, the limbs down it, to the ground, if I, my husband would let them. Right. Uh, basically, they're sh- relatively short-lived when it comes to trees. So... It's, I'm not saying that they can't go beyond this age that yours is, but they start going downhill at this point. Um, that was what I was afraid of because I love that thing, and I've never had one before. <laughs> <laughs> I think the storm kind of probably destroyed some of its systems in its limbs because they said it was really bending over. Oh, well, that's, I mean, they are very, I mean, they're real traumatic and everything else when it does come to wind. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but sometimes, you know, just like anything, there's going to yeah. be a limited life. Well, thank you for the information. And should I do that cladium now or wait till they predict frost? Well, you don't have to predict. Wait till you predict frost. As long as the foliage looks good, you might as well leave it so you can enjoy mm-hmm. the foliage. And then when the foliage starts, you know, heading downhill, then go ahead and dig it up at that time. Thank you so much. Sure. Have a good day. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
If you do have a situation where you live and deer are problematic as far as grazing on some of your plant material and everything else, well, as far as bulbs go, uh, crocus, they don't like. Glory of snow, they don't like. Cilias, they don't like. Hyacinths, they don't like. Grape hyacinths, they don't like. Daffodils, they don't like. So, But they do like tulips. So understand that. So if you're going to plant some bulbs and you're concerned about the deer, the, those are the things to re- maybe really give some consideration to. There's other ones bulb-wise that the deer don't like, but those are the main ones. So anyway, the tulips, they seem to they love that foliage. Let's see. Where should we go first? Let's go over to Rita's yard. Hi, Rita. Hello. Hi. Hi, Mike. I'm calling about Shasta daisies. Okay. Um, I'm sitting here looking out my kitchen. Uh, at any rate, they're in a the bedding area of a tie of a retaining wall. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I look at them sideways, and it's that's kind of not very appealing. But um, they, you know, they spread, and so I'm thinking about moving them, and they're because they're blocking the sun from some of the you know it's their neighbors. And um, is this a time of year when it would be? reasonable? Is there another time of year that would be better? Um, Talk to me about the deal with, okay, these are just going crazy and um, they're not giving me much pleasure because you can't see the daisies, you know, (laughs) not, I'm not 10 feet tall (laughs) to be able to look down on them. Right. So are are they in flower right now? Well, they're, you know, they're pitifully ending. I mean, they had, a, they had a, some of this, it's a hundred foot wall. So some of it is, and some of it is in more sun than others. And it's placed around. It was all, you know, designed overcrowded by some, you know, some fellas. But um, so they, you know, they had their first blush of lots of, uh, lots of uh, blooms. And then kind of other, I haven't deadheaded them. I've, you know, I'm not in the in a mode for nurturing these days. I know some gardeners are doing it, but not me, and I'm not a gardener. I'm a gal with a yard. So, um, so they're, you know, I mean, they're, they're alive and well, although some of them are looking kind of dried out because I'm not too good about keeping them watered. But, yeah, uh, if, the, you know, if they finish flowering and you're asking if, you can, if it's a good time to move them? Yeah, can, or, or wait, if not now, would spring be better? Because, you know, they don't come up for a little while, right. you know. So, I mean, you can do it now if you can get it done fairly quickly, you know, by okay. the end, of, again, by the end of the month. So because the ground will still be warm and they can get reestablished at the new location. But, okay. And uh, that new location is the question mark there. Okay. <laughs> let's say isn't going to happen in the fall. Then if we're into next, next season and they do, what's the deal there to even identify them, you know, when they start to come up, I mean, I can see where they are. Of right. course, I know that. Um, is the spring an okay time? Yeah, or? that's fine. Just you know, make sure that you're digging up the right things. So. Oh no, I, there's, that's very clear. There's no question. Okay, good about that. Um, okay, so it, so it sounds like unless I'm going to hustle and get this done, then the spring might be my better bet. Right, exactly. And early as in the spring, as you know, as soon as the foliage starts showing, then that would be the ideal time to start thinking about it. Right, and then I can identify them that way too. Exactly. Let me ask you one other thing. Sure. In the pa- sticking on the on the Shasta daisies, in the past I have because um, then I'd go out and I you know I'd clip the deadheads and I do if if they started coming you know they've had their their first blush right if you came out and just you know uh, whacked them off halfway or so will they you know uh, reinvigorate or 
is that you know the kiss of death for him? Well, it's not necessarily a kiss of death. You're just cutting the flower, you're, the foliage. You're not cutting the foliage. You're just cutting the flowers off. And to get them to rebloom, that's going to be an iffy thing with the Shasta yeah. daisies. Some years they will. Some years they won't. Okay. Oh, and you know what? Rebloom. I'm going to throw in one more question for you. I have two big leaf uh, hydrangeas out front. Put in five years ago. Same time. Good. They're flourishing. This year, one of them did not bloom. It, healthy as can be looking. One bloomed. One did not. Is Do they sometimes just skip a year or is is the plant is healthy i can tell by the you know the leaves and such but not a bloom in sight how are they in close proximity there well one gets a little more sun the one that is bloomed got more sun and right. the, actually the uh, blooms are still on there so i guess i should cut those off but you know they turn white and then they're pink and now they're brown and right. you know they're interesting but um, they're not right next to each other. They're on different. They're maybe thirty, forty feet apart. I yeah, guess. Yeah. So it's kind of the house, you know. It's, and, yeah, it's probably exposure is going to be as much as anything that impacts. Okay. So. Well, because they, I mean, I. It's like whatever. We'll see what happens next year. You right. know. Exactly. Because um, they are again. I can tell by the leaf, the foliage that they're they're healthy. Right. Um, that both are healthy, but. Um, all right, so this it just when you mentioned blooms, I thought about that. Right. All right, well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate your input. Sure, my pleasure. Sure. Yeah, the Bye-bye. hydrangeas are really a goofy you know, group of plants. Throughout the year, I probably get more hydrangea questions than I do anything else. Now, again, I'm going to reemphasize, you know, we only have a few seconds. So Bruce, Gary, Jim, Marilyn, and Mary, we're not going to be able to get a chance to talk to you. But hang in there. We'll get to you first at the... The end of uh, news. So water. We still, I mean, the ground is still extremely dry. You can go out there and even areas, I routinely water. There's no getting around it. And But still certain areas, especially in between the sidewalk and street, you go out there and you can look in between some of the sedums and other things I have for ground covers. And there's cracks in the soil. I mean, that shows you how dry it is. Now, that is really a hot, intense area because the the street heats up, the sidewalk heats up, and that area in between is only about three, maybe three and a half feet wide. So, you know, the drying factor goes in there. But the same thing is happening throughout the rest of your landscape. Maybe not that dramatic, but the ground is still very dry. I don't know. It was probably a week or so ago that we had measurable you know, precipitation. And uh, whenever it rains, unless it rains dramatically, I always go out and water the next day right afterwards to make sure that I can get water deeply into the ground. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Megan, before you take off, uh, how are your kids taking this whole circumstance of this craziness? (laughs) Depends on the day. (laughs) Really? It's been a little chaotic this week because we started out— We thought we were going to go hybrid, which was a couple of days a week, and they were splitting the student body by alphabet. But then two days before, there was an outbreak among school staff, so we had to go remote to start the school completely. So that was two, three weeks of that. And then with about four days' notice, they switched back to the hybrid schedule. I I just can't imagine, yeah, 
I can't imagine what the teachers are dealing with because right. not only they've got their classes split in half, they're having to make sure they communicate the same things. Right. But then they've also got kids that are still home doing remote learning. So they have to communicate with them and find times to meet with them. So my heart goes out to the teachers right now. And the kids are a little overwhelmed, I would say. I can understand. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. We've had a few notes come back that we've missed some assignments. And it's like, well, that's going to happen. And how do you make those up then if you miss? They're they're offering quite a bit of grace. Oh, really? Yes. As well they should, you know, but. (laughs) Is this Granite City Schools? No, this is Collinsville. Ah, Collinsville. Yeah. Teachers have been offering quite a bit of grace and encouragement for the kids to figure out the system. Sounds perfect. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your sanity. And by the way, folks, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds for annuals. Yes, you can get still get some pansies, and the pansies, if the, depending upon how severe the winter's going to be, pansies can be planted now and actually survive most of the wintertime and come back and give you some more pizzazz during the spring. Your bulbs, if you're getting daffodils, tulips, or any of the spring flowering bulbs, you can buy them now, you can have them delivered now, but do not install them yet. You're going to have to wait for another month or so. Your edibles, your cool-season vegetables, your herbs, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He produces today, or he is producing today, so he answers the phone, first name, and where you're calling from. That's all he needs. During the week, I go and do, and sometimes on the weekend, landscape consultations, which I call walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email and phone number are listed. Today, after the show, I'm headed to South County. And uh, I'll share, when I come to your home, 40-plus years of experience related to the outdoors. Tip of the trial is brought to you by... Uh, is it, well, it's not brought to you by anybody. Yes, it is. It's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. It's a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. Tip of the trial goes out to all you elephant ear bulb growers. This year, the elephant ears have been nothing but spectacular. I mean, I've seen some really huge ones. There are some houses historically that always have really big ones. But, I mean, more and more and more people are growing elephant ears. I want to make St. Louis the elephant ear capital of the world. So, anyway, I have quite a few myself. And also, the tip of the trial goes out to all the people who recycle. We have separate dumpsters in the city where one's for trash, one's for green waste, and then one's for recycles. And so all the people that do recycling, then also the trucks that come and pick up those recycled dumpsters and then dump them, and then finally, the people that work in these places where the actually all the recycled materials are just kind of dumped and put on a conveyor belt, and they separate all that stuff. I can't possibly imagine. When I dump our recycles down into there, there are so many different kinds of things. It is absolutely unbelievable. So anybody that's related to the recycling, whether you're doing it yourself, driving the trucks, or actually separating everything, uh, the tip of the trial goes out to you. So. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. Let's take a couple calls before we go to a break. Let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, thank you for your show. You're a wealth of information. I really appreciate it. Um, 
two questions. The first has to do with the lawn. Have a tall uh, fescue mixed jars with has some um, zoysia that's crept in from the neighbors. But I've recently noticed that it is being completely infiltrated by a type of Bermuda grass. Ooh. And it's um, this particular Bermuda grass, it's fine and it's kind of wiry and feathery. Right. And it's setting up itself in circles and just everywhere in the yard. Is there any way to get rid of this? Uh, it's a very difficult, you know, circumstance as far as getting rid of it. There's a few products that are specifically going to target that without impacting anything else. But you have to have okay. a pesticide applicator's license to purchase that. Now, oh, you can illegally okay. purchase it online. A gentleman called a, you know, a month or two ago saying that he had done that. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, whether he did it illegally or not, it doesn't really matter. But uh, for the most part, you know, probably contact. Do you have a lawn service? I do not. Yeah. No. I cut so, my own grass. Okay. So there's not really too much you can do, you know, in and of yourself. You can be very careful. Try using the Roundup, but Roundup sometimes is not fully effective. And you make sure that if you're going to spray Roundup on the Bermuda, get it done really quickly because herbicides become less and less effective as the days get shorter and the nighttime temperatures start cooling down. So you want to try to get it under control. What you can do rather than using a spray is just take Roundup, mix it up in a, like in a jar or a bowl or whatever, and then paint it right onto the Bermuda. And okay. see if you can get it under control that way. Okay. Yeah, it's um, some of it is in what I would call clumps or little circles, but others has even infiltrated into the zoysia, so it's right. actually hard to spot. So right. I just may end up having to have a professional deal with this. Right. Um, so thank you. My second question is, um, I just recently moved, and I took some cuttings off of a hydrangea bush from the other house. It's the hydrangea. I don't know the name of it, but it has the purple, pink, and blue typical flowers, mm -hmm. but these cuttings are about five inches tall, and they've been in a glass of water on my um, windowsill for the past two months, and they've just finally rooted. Do these need, when I put them in a pot, do they need to stay indoors for this winter, or is it safe to put them out in the ground? I would probably get some potting mix for starting plants, put them in the potting mix in a pot, and then sink the pot into the ground. But these oh, don't okay. sound like they're going to really survive, to be honest. Really, initially really? you should have taken the cuttings, not put them in a you know glass of water, make make the cut at a forty five degree angle, and then get some rooting hormone, and then you would have dipped the area that you'd cut into the rooting hormone and let them grow that way, as opposed to trying to grow them in water. Okay, I tried that. I tried the rooting hormone and the dipping with crepe myrtles, and they immediately died. Um. So that, that's why I put them in glasses of water this time. I guess I'm a little bit old school. Right. So you don't think these are too survivable? Well, I mean, you never know. It's, okay. I mean, it's a roll of the dice, but that's not exactly the best way to do it. In other words, professional people, professional you know, companies that take cuttings at nurseries and things like that, production nurseries, they do it you know, with the cuttings and the rooting hormones. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for your input. I really appreciate it. Sure. And let's see if we can get Marilyn and, uh, before we take a break. Marilyn, how are you? Hello, Marilyn? Nope, I guess not. Hello? Hello? Now, Marilyn must be having trouble. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, out to West County and into Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hello. Hi. What happened to all the walnuts this year? <laughs> I think, you know, it's just amazing. There was a huge amount of acorns, but the walnuts, I think it's just alternating years with some of these things. Yeah, there's a ton of hickory and acorns, but no walnuts at all. Right. I agree. I mean, there's a couple, there's a wall, you know, a walnut tree in the park across the street from us, and I, you know, none. But I mean, you go walk underneath oak trees, and there are so because the squirrels are getting, you know, overweight because there's so many acorns. The ground is just covered with all the acorns from the squirrels eating them. Right, but no walnuts. I didn't right. know if I did something wrong or just nature. No, just nature. Thank you. Yep. And let's see, where should we head now? Let's go over to Ed's yard. Hi, Ed. Um, what do they do? Drop off a prescription and then wait? Yes, they dropped off a prescription. No, I don't know. Hey, Ed, Mike Miller. Um, Uh-oh. Ed's having trouble with prescriptions. And let's see. Let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello. Hi. How are you today? Very good. Good, good. I, my question deals with uh, our friends. <clears throat> excuse me, our friends in the deer family. Uh, we've got uh, a yard full of hostas and other uh, deer salad that uh, we've used all kinds of things to uh, try to get rid of them or discourage them. Some work for a while, and then after after two or three uh, times, that uh, they they just come right back. And uh, I was curious. We had we'd uh, been looking at a uh, solar-powered repeller, ultrasonic kind of a thing. Your opinion of those kinds of those kinds of uh, repellents work uh, in, to any degree? Uh, to a certain point. I used to recommend, you know, uh, motion detectors with lights that would flash and yes. that would scare the deer. The, the sound-wise, I'm not sure exactly. I don't know. I usually speak with either personal experience or several people that I've known have used something and they've had success with it. But with the sound-wise, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. All right. But you say you did have some uh, some success with the uh, the flashing lights? Yes. Okay. It wasn't me right. personally, but it's people that I know, you know, through the years and everything else. Yeah. Well, these are our... Uh, our uh, Pastas and what have you are spread pretty much over the entire yard, so that that might be uh, right more than we can take on. But, right? Uh, yeah, I okay. mean, hosta is virtually a guarantee of deer problems. There's no getting around it. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. They are. They sure are. And though we 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 don't see them for a while, and all of a sudden uh, they're everywhere. So. Yeah, and especially if it starts getting dry, because I mean, the moisture in the leaf is what they're really going after more so than anything. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yep, my pleasure. And now let's go to Oakville and see what's going on with Chuck. Hi, Chuck. Uh, good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, there's there's a nursery near our home, and they have a retaining wall that slopes from the street down to their parking lot. It's tiered, and they've got this thing. It's spectacular. All these flowers, and it seems like they've been there for a couple months. So I found out they're called New Guinea Impatiens, and uh, when I looked it up, it says these things last basically all summer. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if that would be something. My wife likes the colors, 
and for, for across the front of our home. But uh, is there anything gotchas that I should be thinking about? As far as, well, is the front of your house in the sun? Uh, it's basically in the sun about 80% of the time. Okay, so then that should be okay. It, yeah, it's just, I mean, they're just like any annual. I mean, they, they're, they are spectacular. There's no getting around it. But routinely feeding them is really going to be essential, too. Okay. Well, this, this uh, site I saw said that they're perennials. Well, I mean, that's a little bit. Perennial-wise, it's just going to depend upon the weather. But for the most part, I really consider in New Guinea patients annuals. Oh, okay. And th- th- this, uh, this mass of flowers, I mean, they're just, you know, it covers all the, the stonework. So is that something that you have to plant a whole lot of them to get it? How, how would you plant something like that? Yeah, he really should you know, almost get the number that you really want. You know, I mean, maybe in their circumstance, you know, individually, they, you know, they're going to come back for them. But for the most part, I just don't, again, consider New Guinea patients to be perennials because they have to be perennials to spread. So maybe with them, you know, they are spreading, but uh, and they are perennial. But I just, you know, I just can't, you know, I just don't. I don't th- agree with that. Let's put it that way. Okay, and if you if I do that, how do I prepare the soil? Got to be very well prepared, highly organic, very well drained. So a lot of compost in the ground and everything else. Okay, and if I didn't use the New Guinea impatience, is there something you would recommend for a ground covering for to add a lot of color so my wife is happy? <laughs> does she does she want? I mean. There's a an an annual type shrub, you know, which stays relatively low called lantana, which has a lot of flowers on it. You might consider that. Yeah, we've got lantana in back. Okay. For the but, for the hummingbirds and the butterflies. Right, but I mean the annual periwinkle has a lot of flowers on it too. Periwinkle. Yeah. Okay, I'm writing all this down so I don't forget it. <laughs> uh, I listen to your show every Saturday, and I look forward to it. So thanks a whole lot, buddy. Well, sure. My pleasure. Take care. Yeah, you do the same. And let's see now. Let's go out to Chesterfield. Hi, Jim. How are you? Hi, Mike. Thank you for your program. Um, I have uh, my yard is being invaded by Creeping Charlie. Ooh. And on the uh, online, it says uh, to attack it after the first frost with some herbicide. As I was just going to get your feedback on that uh you after the first frost again the temperatures really go down so uh the effectiveness of the herbicide boy that's going to be a really hit and miss type thing because once the temperatures start going the days get shorter and the temperatures get below 70s the effectiveness is less and less and less now if this company says it'll work give it a try it won't hurt to try it but don't expect a whole lot less, you know, and maybe you can call afterwards and say, well, they were right and you were wrong. And okay. Then. <laughs> well, you know, as you say, uh, different, different things work at different places. Right. And, uh, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that was my uh, burning question. It was good to hear about the Bermuda grass. Uh, also like beat that back too. So, uh, <laughs> But, uh, again, thank you very much for uh, your program. Sure, my pleasure. 
And let's get another call in, and let's see. Where should we go? Hmm. Let's go over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, question about planting grass. Uh, first of all, uh, it's re- replacing a lot of grass that's dying out. How much good do you think overseeding does if you don't disturb the ground? Just to spread grass seed on top of the ground without doing any kind of coeration or any kind of raking right, or anything? Right. You think? Do you think any of it sticks? No. <laughs> okay. Next question. Uh, the grass seed uh, that I'm getting, uh, the guy, he called it Prime. It has fescue, bluegrass, and jaguar. I'm not familiar with that uh, mixture. Yeah, jaguar is just a type of fescue. Oh, okay. Uh, so would that be a good to use for a head sod and it's getting very scant, needs help. So uh, I will aerate that, and I'm not knowing what kind of seed to put down. I've always used tall fescue before. Well, the, the blends are good. The reason why they do the blend is because each one of those, even though they're all cool season grasses, have a little bit of a impact related to weather, and hopefully one of them will kind of make it so it doesn't really look horrible during the time when maybe the other two are not doing so well because of whatever the weather happens to be. Okay, well, I, I forget you to uh, what kind of uh, fertilizer you said do not use twelve twelve. Yeah, any of the any of the ones that are the same numbers, those are. But basically, you know, any kind of let's say. You mean a seed starter type fertilizer? If you're putting grass seed down, would be the best thing. And then after that, you know, after like three to four weeks, then you put a winterizer down with a you know the final application of fertilizer sometime between uh, Halloween and and uh, Thanksgiving. So, so uh, this is big area, a lot that I'm putting in. Um, Fifty pound sack uh, cover quite a bit. Oh, I should, but I mean, just you know. Dep- okay, so but so what? So what fertilizer do I put down with this? A seed starter. Seed starter fertilizer. Okay, okay. Um, familiar with some of these products. Uh, also, can I leave my burning bushes uh, not cut until spring, or should it be done now? No, you can leave them. them. Just do right. it in the springtime okay. before the new growth begins. Okay, because I got forty of them to get done. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right, wow. thank you for, yeah, yeah. All right, thank you very much for your help. I'm off to get seed. Sure. <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, let's go over to Lisa's yard. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a question for you. Uh, our backyard is mainly zoysia. Mm-hmm. It looked really great this spring, and then we started developing kind of large brown patches. We have a yard service. I had them come out, and they told us we had a fungus. And what they recommended, I think, is different than what you're saying, that we should heavily rake those areas. And they suggested that we double core aerate it and overseed. But oh. I'm concerned because you said out it's getting a little late for the zoysia. Well, zoysia seed, I don't know. I don't know too many people that have really good success with growing zoysia from seed. 
Well, no, it's not from seed. Oh, so it's side. It's a developed yard, but we developed a fungus. Right, but I'm saying they're saying, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know what they're going to overseed with because right. I, that was my question. I don't know either because Zoysia seed. I mean, it's really not all that effective, you know, and especially if they're going to do it this time of year. Because right. this is, a, was, you know, a warm season grass, so when it gets cold and it's a really young plant, even if it does germinate, which I don't think it will, if it does, it's not going to survive. Okay, that was my question, because I, I guess I need to find out. And to double core, I mean, it's not going to be a cheap thing, and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is worth the money at this point in a zoysia yard, and I was wondering what you might recommend, those brown patches where the fungus was, should we rake that out yeah i would say rake it out and just leave it alone unfortunately you got to look at it through all the winter time but next year when the zoysia becomes available just start getting some zoysia plugs or zoysia sod and put them back in that place okay would it do any good to overseed like with the fescue or something doesn't the zoysia take that over anyway not necessarily oh okay. i mean it can but uh people will say oh the zoysia will from my neighbors is overrunning everything that's a very slow, involved process. That's not something that's going to happen real quickly. So is it too late if we rake that up? Could I overseed with, like, a mix? Because we do have some areas in the backyard that are not total zoysia. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you've still got time if you're going to get the seed down fairly soon, fairly quickly. Okay. But don't mess with core aerating at this point, do you think? No, I would say... Core aeration would be ideal if you're going to do it, not necessarily double, but, uh, you know, core aeration, uh, seed down, seed starter fertilizer, and then a top dressing with compost would be the ideal way. But you were just trying to do a stopgap measure type thing. Right. I just want to get that fungus brown spot out right. of there and, and overseed. So I might just get a fescue and, or a mix and just overseed and see what we get. Right. Okay. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. And now let's go over to Milt's yard. Hi, Milt. Hi. Uh, I I have some, uh, I, I've got a dogwood and a uh, uh, Cleveland pear, and I wanted to trim it. Is uh, now a good time to trim some uh, small branches uh, up to maybe three-quarters of an inch or so, or should I wait until the leaves fall? Well, you can do wait till the leaves fall, but if you prune now, what you're doing is you're cutting off the flower buds for next spring. So that's the, sort of the disadvantage. The better time to prune is in the springtime right after they flower. But if you don't care that oh. the fact you're reducing the amount of flowering, then just, you know, once the foliage falls off. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Yep. And let's see where now. Dee Dee lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Dee Dee. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. In, in which order uh, should I... Take care of my tall fescue lawn. I have core, if we have it core aerated, do we then do the compost or the seed? Well, it's up to you. I mean, that's the ideal way to do it. Okay. So what you're doing, you don't necessarily have to overseed every year, but uh, ideally every year wouldn't hurt. But the core aeration and the compost spreading, you know, on top of it, Again, that feeds your soil, and the soil is more healthy. That makes for a healthier lawn. Okay. So core aerate, then compost, right. then seed. Right. Either that or you. Either way, you can put the seed down and then put the compost on top of it. Because the oh, compost okay. is only going to be a quarter to a half inch. It's not really thick. 
Okay. All right. And then, then the um, the uh, seed starter. Right. Seed fertilizer, starter fertilizer. Then, right. After all that. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. Okay. Bye-bye. Let's go from Dee Dee's over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Um, first of all, I wanted to say I have a walnut tree uh, next to my house, and I've probably picked up about at least a bucket full of walnuts, right. and there's still, there's still some on the tree, so uh, maybe not quite as much as usual because I pick bucketfuls up. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I was surprised when I heard that about, you know. Some years, the, yes. Yeah, when the gentleman called and said, what happened to the, all the walnuts? Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I have a um, planter out in my on my patio, and it was empty, and so I stuck a... Um, pretty sure it it was from my neighbor's yard it was a um, i think my husband called it soft maple uh one of those whirlies in it and it's doing pretty good in this um, planter and it's probably about 18 inches tall now with a dozen leaves on it and so should i keep it like that for the winter or should i put it in the ground i mean it's it's a 12 inch planter it's a big planter Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to start, you know, maybe start a tree there um, and and then move it maybe. What should I do with it is my main question. Uh, right now you can just leave it in the planter if you want to. Yeah, for the winter. Right. And then what about in the spring? In the springtime before the, let's say, the leaves start coming out, then dig it up and put it in the location. Now, if this is, a you know, a silver maple or a soft maple, uh, realize that uh, they're going to be fairly fast growing. They don't have good fall color. They do produce a lot of maple squirts. You know, yes, the they seeds. do. And uh, just my husband, he said it's not as good as it, as if it were a hard maple. We right. have one of those in the front of our yard, and I tried to put some little whirlies in. They're real tiny, and nothing started uh, from them. Right. This is the leaves are are. Th- three points on them so that would be a silver it could be you know without actually seeing it so it's a little tough to tell but uh yeah i would say go ahead and just leave it alone and then you know transplant it in the springtime before the leaves come out and that way you can almost bare root it you know in other words pull it up out of the planter water the planter first then just uh-huh. eat, you know gently pull it up out of the ground out of the planter and then move it to the location where you want it to grow okay all right well, thanks a lot. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's go over and see what Steve has to say. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of uh, questions about some problems that uh, were self-created. Um I uh, try to uh, plant some grass early this spring, like uh, beginning of April, and I put down some uh, fertilizer, and I didn't notice until I got home it said tree and shrub. I think it was like a 10-10-10 mix, mm-hmm. and it burned out. Well, it actually killed some ground cover plants that I had in the front of the house. Um, it left a bare patch, uh, maybe like 10 feet uh, in diameter wow. in the front lawn, and... Uh, I'm like, okay. Oh, and I put down some lime and 
startle fertilizer. Anyway, so I when when that happened, I re uh, I, I I put down some new seed with some uh, uh, you know some seed and starter fertilizer, and it started to come up. And I thought, okay, I'm in business; it'll fill in this uh, bare spot. And then the grass died off, and it wasn't because when I was watering it. So is do I need to do something to treat the ground because of that? I must have burned it out with the fertilizer before I because I was going to try to plant now and see if I could get something to grow before uh, the cold weather hit. You said you put lime down. Yeah, but it was in the spring. I put that all over. Yep. So that could be the problem. I mean, I would get your soil checked to find out nutrient wise because the phosphor, the nitrogen and phosphorus, or nitrogen and potassium, the first number and the last number, those are two really pretty much ones that you can put on routinely. The phosphorus can build up in your soil over time and actually cause real problems. That in combination with your lime. But I would get a soil test done and find out what there is in the ground before I try to do anything else. Okay, and just go to, where would you, I mean, just any lawn and garden shop? or No, they don't do it. uh, uh, What part of town do you live in? Wildwood. Okay. uh, Not west. Yeah, in Kirkwood, they have an actually a spot near uh, you know off Lindbergh or Kirkwood Road where you can, right. University of Missouri. You can drop off soil samples there. Okay, and you know, one of the questions for you, I, I could plant some grass seed, and I'm not even sure what kind it was. I'm, I'm not. I guess you dropped off, Steve. Um, and it, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the lawn. Is there anything I can do about that? Um, basically, you're going to have to, if it's a solid stand of it, you're just going to have to kill it off. Well, okay. It's really not. So, man, how would you go about killing it off, though, if I was going to do that? Yeah. Just, it up? Yeah. You could do that and you, if you wanted to or just use, like, Roundup. Okay. Or you could use, I mean, there's grouse. If you don't want to use Roundup, there's actually grass killers, but it, you just have to really be careful and not let it drift onto the other lawn that's close by. Okay. Hey, one thing. So, but when I do plant, you say put seed, starter fertilizer, and compost down, right? Yes, both. Any, any, any place to get the compost? Or what, I mean, I don't have a composter myself, and I wouldn't be able to generate enough of it uh, between now and the time I want to try to plant. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis Composting has premium, you know, I mean, they have a compost specifically for, you know, doing with grass seed. St. Louis Compost, you say? Yeah, St. Louis Composting. All right, hey, thanks a lot for your help. Appreciate it. And they've got the location there in Valley Park, which would be the closest one to you. Uh, Now let's go over to Mary, and she lives in Kirkwood. Hi, Mary. Hi, I have questions about Asiatic lilies. Should they be cut down now, the foliage? The foliage is, it depends. I've got a couple of different varieties. Mm-hmm. Some of mine, the foliage has already started to turn brown. I've cut those. I've got one variety that blooms later, and its foliage is still green, so I haven't cut that down yet. So keep keep it until it gets brown. Yeah, still at least starts turning brown. All right, what about the seed pods on the top? Is that sucking out the nour- nourishment from the bulb? No. Okay, and what about the small little sprouts that shoot up underneath them? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that's more of the plant. So they're colonizers. So then, in other words, oh, okay. you put another, you know, you put bulbs in, but you can get end up with more stems coming up out of the ground than the original bulb number you put in. Okay, thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to uh, Ted's yard. Hi, Ted. Hello, Ted. Hello. Hi. Hello, Mike. Yes. Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. 
I just have a quick question. I have a relatively small, flat front yard, uh, and I was thinking about, as they say, uh, overseeding a little bit, starter fertilizer. I didn't necessarily want to core aerate. What is your opinion of these liquid soil conditioners or soil aeration products that you attach to your hose? <laughs> Anything that's that magical with our soils or any real soils is, you know, more, I don't want to say BS, but BS. Okay. I read about them online. I didn't know if they really worked or no. they did anything to the soil. So they don't do a thing. Not a problem. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, great. Thanks. Thank you very much. Sure. And Diane, can you do it real quick? Yes. Um, my husband and I would like to help a single mom with her yard. It's nothing but weeds. It sounds like it's too late to start the weeds. What should we do step by step? Uh, basically, I don't know how much, you know, it depends upon what kind of weeds she has. Does she have annual weeds, perennial weeds, and all that other stuff? I think she has everything. Lots okay. of crabgrass and just. Oh, my. Nothing's been done to her yard, I don't think, for years. So right. we really would like to help her. Uh it's going to be a very, very long, involved process. I mean, if you kill everything off, you know, which it sounds like there are, at least kill some of the grass off and get some new grass started, but you're almost at the end of the season to be able to do that. So unless you're going to do it real quickly, I would say wait until, you know, sometime after mid to late April to go after it. So maybe put start killing the weeds then and yeah. wait like 30 days and then start with the grass seed? Yeah, I mean, most of the herbicides, read what kind of herbicide you're putting down and see how long after the herbicide has been put down that you can put grass seed down. Like weed be gone with crabgrass or whatever? Right, exactly. Okay. Thank you so much, and thank you for what you do. Well, thanks thanks to you for, I mean, helping this lady. It's going to be a very, very involved process and to go from it sounds like ground zero to where you know where you're starting, and to get it, it's going to be multiple years. So it's not well, going to be just a one one time one year process type thing. So I understand that, but we're willing to go right. the long haul. Well, that's very nice of you. Thank you again. Sure, thanks, Diane. <laughs> and Diane lives in Weldon Springs. And thanks to everybody for calling in throughout the entire metropolitan area. I'm going to reemphasize again. We were watching Lou Brock's, uh, we've got TV screens all over here. But apparently in St. Charles, in Lindenwood, where Lindenwood is, it's raining there. But, uh, boy, we need the rain. So if, you don't, if you're not in St. Charles where it's raining, have no problems about getting your hose out, your sprinklers out, and getting some moisture into the ground. Because if it's, you know, who knows when it's going to rain. And nothing is worse for plant material than going into wintertime with an overly dry soil. So, I mean, that's really crucial. The water expands the soil and really helps insulate it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.